When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Broncos country. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. Touchdown Denver. All right, everybody. Welcome into another episode of Touchdown Denver. Hosted by myself, George Stoya of the Denver Gazette. And my good friend, Nick Ferguson. Nick, uh, I just had the best barbecue of my life here in Kansas City. Uh, I don't know how your Sunday's going, but that's how mine's going. You know what? You know, you are very wrong uh, for that, George. Uh, for first and foremost, uh, Happy New Year to you. And you decided to start off uh, the new year by telling me about the Kansas City barbecue that you've had uh, the pleasure of dining on. Let's just hope that you are a good friend and a good co-host and that you're going to bring some of that back for your yours truly. Well, I will not be. Um, you know, I'm not a good friend or a good uh, co-host, so I will not be bringing. I will not be. I will not be bringing any back with me, because um, I ate it all. But uh, Nick, we also got to watch a really good football game today, um, and it's been a really good football weekend when you talk about uh, the college football playoff as well on Saturday. But Nick, Broncos and the Chiefs, yet another really good football game. Uh, both games this year between these two teams. I know the records don't show it, uh, but uh, it has been super competitive. Um, it came down to the end, Nick. Uh, Broncos had a chance, man. Uh, they got the ball back there. I think it was three minutes, 53 seconds left. Needed to go uh, 74 yards uh, to either tie the game uh, or take the lead. They end up getting to their own 45. Uh, they don't convert on I think it was a fourth and two. And obviously the Chiefs run out the clock. They end up falling 27-24 to the Chiefs. Nick, just what's your instant reaction? We have so much to get into with this game, whether it be uh, Jerry Rosberg in his first game as the interim head coach, Justin Outen calling plays. The officiating uh, was wild, um, to say the least. But, Nick, just what what were your instant reactions uh, to this game? Well, first and foremost, uh, I was happy at what I saw. And, and my emotions throughout the game – were up and down like uh, the stock exchange because there were a bunch of highs and lows in, in this game. And for me, let me start out with the highs. The highs are based on how the team came out and fought. You're on the road. You really don't have anything to play for other than pride. And, I, and if you're at this stage of the season and you're playing for pride, we all know what happened. But I was always wondering what was going to happen with the Jerry Rosberg bump. You know, what was that impact going to be like? You know that the team came out on Thursday with shoulder pads on, something they haven't done all season long. And I know he wanted to kind of instill the level of toughness in his team on both sides of the ball. We'll get into that later on. But I was pleasantly surprised at uh, the level of uh, competition and uh, drive that this team has. And it's been this way seemingly all year long, right, as far as this team and second-half comebacks and that desire and the will for them to try to find a way to win a ball game at the end of the game. So that would make, what, nine games this season where the Broncos lost by, you know, one score or less than uh, six points. 
So I was happy with what I saw. But far as your standpoint, when you think about uh, the team, everything that transpired last week and how they went out on the road and how they played, what do you think about what you saw? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I wrote my uh, game story about, Nick, is that, you know, this is a group that you talk about a challenging and, and probably emotional week, right? Their head coach gets fired on Monday. Um, you know, they, they get an interim coach in there that, you know, they, they know but don't know super well. Um, you know, Greg Pinner and George Payton talk about the future of the organization on Tuesday. Uh, you've got all the Russell Wilson criticism. You know, I, I think that was Wednesday or Thursday. You've got, you know, players sticking up for them. Um, you know, they're all talking to the media Wednesday through Friday. You know, and, and all during during all of this, Nick, they're getting ready to play arguably the best team in the NFL uh, this week. Right. Uh, and they've got a huge challenge on, on their hands. And so for them to come out, I think they were almost 14 point underdogs going into this game, Nick, for them to come out uh, and really, you know, after that first opening drive from the Chiefs where they just went right down the field and scored, they played really well. And, and you could even argue that they were the better football team until uh, toward the end of that game. Uh, and, and, you know, you could talk about, and we'll get into the officiating, but I mean, they're up in the fourth quarter, right? Um, you know, they're up there in the third quarter, you know, uh, looks like they're about to drive the ball down the field, uh, and Corlin Sun gets called for the offensive pass interference. Momentum totally switches. Chiefs score 14 unanswered. All of a sudden they're down 10 and, and again, they didn't lay down. So I was super impressed by the effort today, Nick. Uh, again, I know that nobody wants to hear that, uh, effort should be expected, not, um, you know, uh, what, what's the word? It should be expected, not, uh, you know, applauded, right? Uh, you know, like, like we should expect them to have good effort every single week. But I think after what we saw last week in Los Angeles, Nick, for them to come out this way against the Chiefs and really have a, an, an amazing opportunity to win that football game, it's disappointing they couldn't. I was super impressed. You even talk about, Nick, and I know you talked about Jerry Rosberg and him taking over. How about the special teams today? Uh, you get a, a fumble on a punt that, that Alex Singleton forces, which, by the way, Alex Singleton, team MVP, in my opinion, this year. He's been fantastic. Uh, and how about uh, the rookie, Uazurike, uh blocking a field goal right before half? I mean, the, the special teams were great today. I thought Carlos Waitman was really good in the punting game as well. So uh, I thought all three phases, Nick, uh, yeah, they lost at the end of the day and, and – that's you don't want to lose, and that's a failure when you lose, uh, right? But I thought they took a lot of steps in the right direction, and, and I thought we saw really all three sides of the ball play good football at times. Yeah, we did, and we'll get into the special teams unit later on in the week when we uh, really break down that that group. But yeah, it was about this team going out, showing some fight, showing as though they had the ability to compete. And usually, when we see a team that has nothing to play for, the Broncos are now four and twelve. Usually you see, you know, when you're evaluating games, oh, that guy's given up. That team is given up. That is something that uh, I watched and I heard when I was watching some of the games today with teams who that are in similar situations with the Broncos, the Broncos are. Maybe not a similar record, but, you know, they're not really playing for anything. And that's what the commentators were saying. They can see some of the players were checked out. I didn't really see that from the Broncos players. And you would have thought that based on what happened in that in last week in that 51-point drubbing to the Rams, that that's, that was what you were going to see. Yeah, they were going through a lot of transition, a lot of emotions. Your coach got fired. 
and we expected Jerry Rosberg and what he was doing to kind of get this team fired up. But there was still the human element associated with it. Would every guy buy into what he was coaching and would they go out and execute on a roll? When you're playing against a Kansas City team, it's loud in Arrowhead Stadium, and we know the type of points that they can put up. But the team continued to fight, uh, fight back. And that's the thing that's probably the most inspiring thing, and I get it. There's no such thing as uh, more victories. We went through the same spill uh, when they played the, the Chiefs uh, about two or three weeks ago uh, here at Empower Field. There are no more victories. But I still think that you can look at any given game and you look at the plus and minuses and say, well, for this team, being as though where they are 4-12, and 12, there's a lot of uh, hope. You know, I'm a very optimistic person. There's a lot of hope that they left out there for Broncos country, and hopefully they see it as such. Yeah, I mean, again, they continue to do this each week for the most part, other than, again, last week, where they're hanging around in these games, uh, in games that a lot of us don't think they should be in. Um, and and I, I think that that's a, that's a hat tip to uh, the coaching staff, uh, that, again, there's a lot of these guys that may not even be back next year, but for them to still be dialed in uh, and coaching, even though they know that they may not have jobs, I think that that says a lot about them. And then I think it also says a lot about, you know, the veteran guys on this football team and keeping this group together. I mean, a, a Justin Simmons comes up again with a big play today in the end zone, right? Uh, his sixth his sixth interception this season, career high for him. I mean, guys missed five games this year. He could easily mail it in and say, you know what, this season hasn't gone my way, but he hasn't. So, uh, again, I, I think that that says a lot. I also think, again, I think Jerry Rosberg deserves a good handful of credit today uh Justin Allen as well calling the plays for the offense first ever time calling plays uh in an NFL game Nick the the only other time in his coaching career that he's called plays uh was at the high school level uh so for him to come in and do as well as he did today I, I thought they did some really nice things on offense uh in terms of getting Russ out of the pocket some play action running the ball uh taking some shots down the field when when they were there I really liked it and here's here's Cortland Sutton Nick uh, talking after the game in the locker room uh, about Jerry Rosberg and Justin Allen and what they brought uh, to the team today. Yeah, they, you know, they, they stuck to, you know, what they had told us they wanted to accomplish um, all throughout the week. All throughout the week, we talked about one thing. We came into the game, we did that one thing, and, and, and it showed, you know, there was cohesiveness. There was, you know, guys, guys understood, you know, what we were trying to, what the objective was, understanding the tempo and the theme of, of the game. And, um, you know, like I said earlier, you know, I think we really stuck to that and and, you know, we, we came up short, you know, but, you know, I do admire the, the fight that the guys, the guys had offensive, defense and special team. Nick, what impressed you today? I wanted to ask you a little bit about what what Cortland just said, but what impressed you today about sort of the offense and Justin Alton calling the plays? Did anything stand out, uh, you know, kind of what they were doing offensively? Well, here's a big thing that stood out to me. It's funny that you bring up uh, Justin Alton. I know before the game, James Palmer was talking about, hey, the Broncos are going to have their third play caller of the season. And then I was thinking, like, wait a minute. Justin Allen technically had the title as being the OC. So I thought the OC was calling plays. So now he is calling plays for the first time. And when the play calling seemingly was taken away from him in favor of Clint Kubiak, so it was taken away from Nathaniel Hackett. I don't know. This whole thing is confusing to me. Because I thought the offensive coordinator was going to be the individual calling the plays, but it just takes me back really quickly when we assess the situation under Nathaniel Hackett. You are the head coach. You designate 
uh, Justin Allen to be your OC, so he should be calling the plays. That is a it, it's tough by itself being a coach on this level at period. But to know that you're trying to game manage and call the play simultaneously, once again, this talks to uh, the problems that the Broncos have, and it's and it's crazy that Alton is calling plays. I thought he was doing that at the early stage of the season, but what here's what I will say: based on what we saw, I saw a little more creativity. Something that I thought that we were going to see from the very beginning. We saw Chase Edmonds involved in the offense. And I've been waiting for this. I'm like, you don't trade for a guy or get a guy to trade uh, with a Bradley Chubb trade, and you don't utilize him in the offense. Finally, we saw a 21 pony. That's two running backs on the field at the same time. Use effectively. And, oh, by the way, the most impressive play of the day was the Zion quarterback run to Russell Wilson off the left-hand side. When have we seen that play? We know Russell is mobile. He can move around, but we've never seen any QB design plays to get him on the move. So whether it was Clint Kubiak adding his two cents into the equation or it was all just an out, I don't know who it was, but all I all I have to say was it was more creative than we've seen in weeks past. But it begs the question, George, why now? Is it because the level of desperation has escalated so far where coaches find their jobs on the line, that we get this type of play? It's a great question, Nick. Um, I'm not sure we're, we're ever going to know the answer because I think uh, a good handful of these guys we're not going to see again after next next week's game. Um, but I thought Justin Alton came in and did a really good job. I, you know, I think that they obviously had a really good game plan coming in, right? You mentioned the two backs, uh, the two back sets. I really liked some of the stuff they ran out of that. Uh, I thought they got the tight ends involved. Albert O was their leading wide receiver. Nick, we haven't seen Albert O eight of the last nine weeks. He's not been active. Uh, all of a sudden he comes in. He had a couple drops to start the game, bounces back, catches a touchdown pass. Then you mentioned it, Russell Wilson. They finally ran him. Uh, look what happens. He has two rushing touchdowns and opens the game up. I, I thought one of the best play calls of the day, Nick, they, uh, they ran one where it was play action and they slipped uh, Chase Edmonds out of the backfield. And uh, he beats the linebacker down the middle of the field, and Russell throws a nice touch pass over the top for a big gain. That was one of the better designed plays that they've run all year. Uh, so I was super impressed by Justin Alton. Uh, and again, I think Clint Kubiak deserves some credit. And even Jerry Rosberg, I mean, he talked about after the game the decision why he went to Justin Alton was hey, I believe the quarterback coach should be on the field talking to the quarterback. And I believe the play caller should be up in the box. And so I made the switch to Justin Allen. And Nick, I think it's also, you mentioned, they've had so many different play callers. I do think that it's been kind of a collaborative effort, especially the last half of the season uh, since they switched to Kubiak. I think there was a, a kind of a three-headed monster there with Hackett, Alton, and Kubiak kind of all calling plays. Uh, but I thought they called a really good game. And I thought it was cool to see them in the press box. I don't know if you saw this on TV, Nick. But they kept cutting to him on the in the press box yeah. uh, up there, getting excited. So, hats off to them. I thought it was one of their better offensive performances. Uh, but Nick, we got to take a quick break, uh, and then we will con continue to dive into the offense and really specifically, we'll get into some Russell Wilson talk. And also, people that are listening, I know that you're probably frustrated about the officiating. Don't worry, we have an entire segment <laughs> lined up for the officiating, uh, and Nick and I have some thoughts. So we will get to that. But Nick, let's take a break, and then we'll dive into some Russell Wilson stuff.
Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, everybody, we're back from that quick break. Uh, and Nick, we were just breaking down a bit of the offense and, and, and why they look so good today. One reason why is Russell Wilson played pretty well. Um, you know, he he had, I don't know his, his, his throwing stat line. I think it was 222 yards, one touchdown, one interception. It was a, a pretty bad interception. Uh, had a guy in his face, but, uh, you know, that, that can't happen. And then he also had the, the strip sack, which I still think, again, we're going to get to officiating. I still think that was an incomplete pass. His arm was clearly going forward, but what do I know? Um, but I thought he looked really good today at times, made some really nice throws. He had the one throw uh, over the middle to Cortland Sutton, I think, early in the game. Another one to Eric Saubert later in the game. Uh, the touchdown pass, the, the pass I mentioned to Chase Edmonds, I thought might have been his best throw of the game, uh, You know that little touch pass over the middle. So what did you think uh, of Russell's performance uh, and and – and uh, what do you think opens up this offense more than, than his him using his legs? Because that, to me, was the X factor today. Yeah, you know, anytime you get a quarterback, George, that can, you know, move the pocket, uh, it, it works well for the offense because it's, it's like a moth to flame. The defense is attracted to that person, and they have to make sure that they know where he's at and make sure that they can put an edge on the defense. And what that does is, from your second level to that back end, it makes those guys start to move around and start to loosen up coverage because on a couple of times that Russell scrambled, you can tell, once again, deep developing routes, nothing was open. Still, I have a problem with that in the Broncos' offense. But with everyone pushing back so deep on Spagnola's defense, it opened up some opportunities for Russ to run. And I think what most teams have said all season long, well, Russell used to run. He doesn't run. So when they read the scouting report, they look at it as is. They're going to run deep developing routes. They're going to bail on their run game. They're not that great in pass protection. And, oh, by the way, you don't have to worry about the quarterback. He's going to scramble. He's going to scramble to throw, but he's not going to scramble to run. The ability of your quarterback, once again, to escape the pocket and take advantage of the yards that the defense is giving you, it is so important. Most of the teams who are going to be pushing for a late playoff spot, or that number one seed on in either the NFC or the AFC, they have quarterbacks who are able to pick up those extra yards when the pocket starts to break down. And I know Russell said that he's going to do some self-reflecting at the end of the season and try to change a couple of things that he's done thus far. One of those things that I would tell him, hey, man, you need to add into your repertoire once again because you're capable of pulling that joker down and running it. I know everyone was saying, hey, listen, they look bad on quarterbacks when quarterbacks, you know, pull the ball down and run, but it is survive of the fittest. So if you can scramble and pick up an extra first down and put the stress on the defense, I say by all means do it. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is about Russell playing the Chiefs, Nick, but I would argue his two best games of the season this year both came against Kansas City. Uh, and, you know, you can't play Kansas City every week. Maybe they should, even though they might lose, they might, they might lose 15 in a row. But Russell plays great when they play Kansas City. But I was super impressed with how he saw the field today, Nick. Uh, I thought that when guys weren't open, you know, he, he tried to make a play here and there. Um, you know, the offensive line still is a massive issue. That There's too much pressure getting to him at times. That I mean, even the last play, uh, and we'll get to that later, but – 
even, you know, the last play, he didn't have a chance. And, and obviously that was because, uh, you know, it looked like the Chiefs were offside and, and Graham Glasgow snapped the ball or whatever. But, um, you know, th- th- there's still times that, you know, they need to be better in protection. But when he was given time today, he delivered. Uh, and I thought that, again, they did some things offensively, Nick, that allowed him uh, to get easier throws than what he's gotten typically this year, right? Like, I mean, they did, they did a lot of play action stuff, boot him out, find someone down the field uh, for either a short gain and sometimes a bigger gain. But uh, I just I, – I was impressed by him. And, again, when he uses his legs, man, he's tough to beat. Uh, we saw that earlier this year against the Chiefs. We saw it against the Jaguars, another game that he was very impressive, even against the Raiders early in the year. Remember, uh, he was able to yeah, use his legs. Uh, and so I think that that's something that, you know, whoever the coach is next year, needs to start incorporating. Well, some of those things uh, you can incorporate by, you know, quarterback design runs. And you can only do that when you have uh, great blocking in front of you. And, and I mentioned it earlier, Eric Seibert uh, had a, a seal-in block. And then Chase Edmond had a kick-out block. They blocked well on the outside on the perimeter spring Russell for a touchdown. It's not something you want to make that make sure that it's a part of your main staple of your offense because – Anytime you are a Gidget and Gadget team and you are constantly, you know, relying on those plays to kind of open up space in offense, to me, that's a recipe for success. Being able to set it up and use it every now and again, that part of the game is so important. But this is where having a mobile quarterback will do that for you. We're not talking about the old statuesque quarterbacks like a a Dan Marino or a Boomer Esiason. We're talking about guys who can – you know, get outside the pocket and create with, with their legs. And Russell definitely is that type of guy. But he has to know in the back of his mind, too, especially playing behind this Broncos offensive line. More more often than not, George, the offensive line, someone's going to slip through, one or two players. So that has to be in the back of uh, Russell's mind. And I know everyone's saying, well, Russell's getting sacked because he's holding on to the ball. He's waiting for the ball to clear. That's why I believe this, George. I don't have any proof, but I believe this. You know, we see Russell now. Russell is a, a heavier quarterback now than he was in years past. And the reason I think he's, he's he's put on those extra pounds was to be able to sustain the pounding that he was going to receive by trying to be a pocket passer. So as we move forward in 2023, what Russell needs to do is, I would say, man, lose about 10 pounds, get back to being the Russell Wilson of old, and pretty much trash can this whole idea of being a pocket passer. That's not who you are. That's not the thing that made you successful. But Russell Wilson still can be successful in 2023, you know, with the Broncos. I also need to lose 10 pounds. Um, so maybe me and Russell. Some more basketball. Some more basketball. Yeah, me and Russell need to get on the same diet plan. But, um, no, I think, you have a, I think you're right, Nick. I, I think that that's, that's something that he needs to focus on this offseason is getting back to being that sort of mobile quarterback that he was early in his career. And of course he's not going to have, you know, the same juice that he did, you know, uh, you know, eight years ago or whatever it was, but the guy still has some juice, man. He, he could still go. I mean, he took off on that 16 yard run today and nobody was catching him. So uh, I think that that could really open up some stuff for him. And also, like you said, Nick, if they're not going to fix the offensive line, he's going to be running for his life uh, the next yeah. few years. So you might as well, uh, you know, continue to, to, to get better at that part of it. But Nick, this guy, I mentioned it earlier. I think I've said it a few times. 
you know, a lot of times he gets up there in his post-game press conference and he's Mr. Cliche and, you know, he's given us all this positive stuff. And, um, you know, it, I think sometimes people don't think it's genuine. That's just how he is, right? That That's right. that's his personality. But today, Nick, I, I feel like we got to see a little bit behind the curtain, Nick, because – and this was the biggest thing for me. He played good on the field today. But uh, I think we learned a lot about Russell Wilson today because after the game, Nick, and we broke it down earlier this week, he faced a lot of criticism. And his, his wide receivers and his teammates came to his defense this week on social media. After the game, he was asked about that, Nick. Uh, and I'm going to play the audio here. And he got emotional. Uh, he was he had tears in his eyes. Um, you know, he, he, he talked highly of his teammates. Um, and, and it was something that I think revealed a little bit more about him. So I'm going to play that audio, Nick, and then we'll react to it. So here's, here's Russell Wilson talking after the game about his teammates sticking up for him. It meant the world to me because I, I give my all every day. I don't know anything less. And uh, so I'm grateful for these guys because, um, you know, they worked their butts off. And for them to have my back, Jerry, he means the world to me how much he's worked at his, at his craft every day. Um, you know, Kendall, KJ, Tim Patrick, Cortland, uh, other guys, um, you know. Um, and, you know, all I want to do is help, help this team win and us find a way to do it. And I know we're going to overcome all those obstacles. And I'm not going to blink. Because I know who I am, I know who I know the dedication I have to this game, and how much how much it, how much it means to me. It's meant the world to me since I was yay high. Nick, all that's missing from that clip is Terrell Owens coming in and saying, "That's my quarterback, that's my quarterback." You know, um, that's all we need. We need it. We need that from Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton the next game. Get up there and start giving us a "That's my quarterback." Uh, type press conference. But Nick, what was your reaction to that? To me, I, I you know I I was sitting front row and I. I was like, damn, all right. You know, Russell, you know, he he's he's a real person. Like this is that's that's real like vu- vulnerable to get up there and talk about that and and also be like, you know, you can you can tell man like the criticism, he won't ever show it, but the criticism gets to everybody a little bit and I'm sure it's it's piled up on him this year and for his teammates uh to come to his aid uh, this week, I think meant a lot for him. And I think Nick, honestly, it means a lot for this franchise going forward. Yeah, man. And it said that one is the loneliest number and it is true because you feel as though you have no one around you to support you and uplift you, but it's a little different. You know, this week, Russell Wilson teammates came to his aid and it was interesting to hear people talk about it both locally and nationally, because it was like, well, only the offensive guys, have come to his aid and those individuals are totally wrong. But then it's like, well, if they don't say anything, then that was going to be a topic of conversation. Even if they do say something, still a topic of conversation. And, and it's, it's emotional play in this game when expectations are high and everyone thought, well, with the addition of uh, Russell Wilson, this team was going to soar. It was going to be totally different than it was with Drew Locke on the Pat Shermer's uh, uh, offense, but it hasn't really been that way. And, and when you really think about it, what has it been like for Russ away from the team? We saw a guy standing in front of the media wearing his heart on his sleeve, right? And, and we got to find, finally got a chance to see that in that particular way. But I've always known that Russ was a very emotional person, not one to yell and scream at guys, but do the total opposite. You know, when a guy's down, try to pick him up. I mean, he tried to pick Melvin Gordon up. He tried to tell Melvin, hey, listen, even after all your fumbles, you still are a quality back. You have to continue to believe in yourself. And just the, the, the weight of criticism was solely on the shoulders 
of Russell Wilson based on the fact of, once again, how much money the Broncos were paying him. And to sit there and take all that, go to the podium, like you said, always trying to say the right thing, always trying to be upbeat. You have to see that behind those eyes, that was a guy that was being crushed because he wasn't used to being criticized the way that he was being criticized both locally and nationally. But once again, big shout out to his teammates for coming to his aid, really telling it how it is and setting the record straight. Yeah, we see Russell Wilson, the struggling quarterback statistically, but what about Russell Wilson, the man? That was the person who was also being heavily criticized, and I'm glad the guys actually came to his aid. And, Nick, let me ask you this, because obviously with this season coming to an end, you know, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't, it's probably not going to affect these, these final, I guess there's only one game left, this final game. But I I think that this is important because Jerry's going to be here a while. I would assume that they'll they'll extend him eventually. Cortland Sutton here is long-term. Tim Patrick's another guy, you know, that, that, that spoke up. Garrett Bowles was one. What can this do this support again, season didn't go the way they wanted to, but to, to kind of rally around Russell to end the year here, what, what can that do maybe for them uh, in the future? Galvanize them as a team uh, for them right now. It is all about team. The guys in the locker room, just kind of block out all the, the white noise that's been out there both locally and nationally, because at the end of the day, it doesn't make a difference what someone is saying on national television. The guys in that locker room, they're the guys that are around him the most. And there have been whispers locally, hey, this guy is saying this and this guy is saying that. I've always felt like this. And I feel this way now even when I was a player. If you're going to say something, put your name on it. If you're not, don't say anything at all. Because what it seems to me is that there are a couple of guys, maybe on offense or defense, that may not be feeling Russ. That's, that's perfectly fine. It happens. But there's a large amount of guys who are. So knowing as though so many guys have spoken up for him, that's going to help them moving forward. Some of those guys are going to be brought back. Some of those guys are not. But at the end of the day, it is as a quarterback, can you lead? That was something that has been coming into question as well. Russell's leadership. Having so many guys speak up on your behalf, really key. And having a Melvin Gordon who's no longer with the team, speak up for you on social media, that goes a long way. And oh, by the way, a guy by the name of Von Miller, future Hall of Famer who playing, who's playing with Bill's Nation, he didn't have to say anything positive about Russ, but he did. But that tells you about his leadership that's been sorely criticized. And hopefully those individuals, George, who have done that, maybe it's time for them to take a look in the mirror at themselves. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, man, like what, what, what we learned this last week is there's still a lot of respect uh, not only on the Broncos, but around the league for Russell Wilson. Sure, the season hasn't gone as, as he planned, as anybody planned, and I'm sure he's going to look at everything this offseason, how he can get back to his old self. But uh, I think that we know that the respect factor is still there for him. And, and I think there's a lot of people rooting for him too, Nick, uh, outside of the organization. I think there's a lot of people rooting for him uh, to have a bounce back year next year. So we'll see. Uh, again, one game left. I, I think that it's important to uh, – you know, continue to build on his performance today. Uh, and, and, again, next week's going to be a tough game against a good Chargers team. But uh, go out next week and play well. Again, maybe doesn't change the narrative nationally, but at least gives you some hope uh, around Denver that he can he can turn things 
around. So uh, we got to take a quick break, Nick, and we're finally going to get into this officiating, Nick, because I'm fed up about it, Nick. Uh, it was a it was a bad bad game by the officials. So we'll get into that, uh, and we have some audio as well to talk about from that. So uh, let's take a quick break, and then we'll dive into that. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, everybody, we're back from that quick break. And, Nick, we got to talk about the officiating from this game, Nick. Uh, we, we broke down all the, thing, all the things the Broncos could have done better, the things they did good. But one thing out of their control, Nick, today – uh, was the officiating. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they lost the game because of officiating. I, I never think that that is the case in a game, other than uh, what, however many years ago it was that the uh, Saints lost to the Rams in the uh, in the NFC Championship game because of that non-pass interference call. Uh, that, was a, that was atrocious. But, Nick, the officiating today, I've got uh, several issues with it. We, we'll go through uh, a few of the calls here, but um, – the biggest one of the day, Nick, the offensive pass interference on Cortland Sutton. If you watch the game, you know what we're talking about. Uh, but towards the end of the third quarter, I think it was third and 10, third and nine, something in that, uh, Russell decides, hey, going to take a shot for Sutton down the field. He splits the defenders. Uh, you know, he's kind of wrestling with the safety back there. I believe Cook uh, was who was back there for the Chiefs. Um, and he comes up with a great catch, right? 50-yard gain. You're like, wow, the Broncos are in business. Flags on the field. I'm thinking, oh, it's pass interference or holding on the Chiefs. They call Nick offensive pass interference. Now I want to get your reaction, Nick. And I've been waiting all day to get your reaction on this because you're a safety. <laughs> you've been back there. You've been wrestling with receivers before. What did you think of that call? Uh, and did the Broncos get on the wrong side of that one? Yeah, man, the Broncos were, were hosed on that one. Uh, and, and usually in this league, we don't really see a lot of OPI calls made. Usually it's defensive uh, holding. And, I mean, you brought up an interesting uh, point. When I look at the officiating, I'll go back to Kyle Rudolph pushing off against DB, against the New Orleans Saints. And clearly the rules say you cannot extend your arm, but he did exactly that. And it was they reviewed it, and they deemed that, hey, that wasn't pass interference, so it made me start to think, well, what is OPI? So when we look at what happened with Corlin, two defenders uh, around him, he's trying to get position. Was there a little pushing back and forth? Yeah, that happens when guys are trying to jockey for position. But for me, it wasn't enough to call OPI. I've seen some egregious OPI calls before. That wasn't one of them. And when you talk about the shift of momentum, that definitely changed momentum uh, in that game. Yeah, Nick, I thought it was one of the worst calls I've ever seen. I'm not even, I'm I, like, I am not typically somebody who complains about officials, but that is that is up there as one of the worst calls, in my opinion. And you rewatch the replay, Nick, and this what makes this is what makes me mad about officials sometimes. If you watch the official in that video, he's got his hand on his flag, ready to throw it, and it's like he's anticipating what's going to happen, and he's already made up in his mind that he's going to throw a flag on this play because he sees Cortland struggling to get away from the defender. And that's what's wrong with NFL officiating. And even, I mean, college football, whatever. I think some of these officials try to step in too much. 
that's a non-penalty either way. Like that there's like that's not pass interference on the Chiefs, and that's not pass interference on the Broncos. That's just two guys playing football and going for a ball, and Cortland wins the battle. You can't step in and interfere on a play like that. It changes the course of the game. And again, Broncos had plenty of opportunities to go and win that football game after that play. There was a lot of football left. But it totally changed the complexion of that game. And that's what irritates me, Nick, is like these officials come in here and I don't even know if they realize how big of an impact they have on the game when they call a penalty like that. And it just it just frustrates the hell out of me, Nick, because Cortland was robbed of a great play. Russell Wilson was robbed of a great play. And maybe, and again, I'm not saying the Broncos had any other, I had a million other opportunities to win that game. But the Broncos might have been robbed of 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 ending the the streak, beating the Chiefs, whatever, because of that penalty. And I, I just it irritates me to hell, Nick, because it just it it's it's just unbelievable that that again the way he anticipated it, he threw that flag very quickly. I'm like, come on, man, that's that's a joke of a penalty in my opinion. No, I totally get you. And here's my ten foil hat theory. Knowing as though that's 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 a fourteen game losing streak, no fifteen game losing streak now. It, it, it's almost as if someone in New York City said, "Hey, man, you know we're getting ready to roll into the playoffs. You got to keep this thing intriguing with the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, with Josh Allen and Joe Burrow waiting around the corner, and we have to do something to make sure that we keep this game going, keep the the streak going." So that's what I felt. I felt as though someone that they were not going to allow the Broncos to win this game. And they tried their best, right? The Broncos tried to win this game, but it was countless mistakes by officials over and over. What about Justin Simmons being pushed away? What about the fumble? Well, they say it was a fumble, and I still like, I'm like, well, how is that a fumble? Even my wife was like, that's not a fumble. His hand was moving forward. If my wife can get that right, these are officials – who this is their job. Well, maybe their second job, but at least they can get it right. And if they can't get it right, George, New York City should be able to get it right, but they blew that game for the Denver Broncos, in my humble opinion. Yeah, I, I mentioned the, in, the the pass earlier in the game or the, the strip sack, right? It, that was an incomplete pass to me. Like, I I, I'm, I was shocked they didn't overturn that. Um, again, you know, that's, that's one play. I, two other penalties, Nick, that I thought were bad penalty calls. Uh, Isang Bassi, uh, uh, early in the game that I think I want to say maybe it was the first drive, uh, where they called holding on him against Travis Kelsey. To me, both players were fighting and grabbing again and Travis Kelsey flopped like he always does. Uh, and they, they gave it to him. It gives him a first down. I believe they ended up scoring a touchdown on that possession. Uh, that was inside the 10 yard line. The other one, Nick, that I thought was nearly as egregious as the uh, Cortland Sutton one was when they didn't call defenseless receiver on Kendall Hinton. Uh, Kendall Hinton took a big shot in that game, Nick. I don't know if you remember. I think it was in the fourth quarter and uh, would have given the Broncos a first down and he just got hammered and they didn't call anything. And I'm like, that's what the rule was invented for a few years ago was for plays exactly like that. Kendall Hinton never saw the guy come and the guy, leans his head in and his shoulder and just rocks him. Look, man, that might have been okay when Nick Ferguson was playing 
but that is not okay anymore. Like that's that's the definition of the rule. And I'm just like, and the ref, it's right in front of the referee. And I'm like, what are you looking at? Uh, and so it's just like that. That's infuriating. And Nick, that leaves me to uh, the final play, or I guess it wasn't the final play of the game because the Chiefs had to kneel it out. But the final Broncos offensive play, fourth and two. Uh, I don't know if, if Chris Jones was offsides there. Uh, you know, it looked like he jumped, but I don't know. Graham Glasgow snaps the ball, right? Um, and, and obviously Russell wasn't ready for it because Graham, it was a smart play by Graham because he thought he was offsides, free play, uh, you know, take a shot, whatever. You know, offensive line's not ready. Jones gets back there. I think it was Jones, wasn't it, That's that that grabbed Russell. Chris Jones. Uh, and, and suplexes him to the ground, which I, again, was like, are we calling what? him the passer? Yeah, Chris Jones would have been arrested if that was Tom Brady, um, for one. And again, no flags, so no offsides, no roughing the passer. Um, I don't know, Nick. I, what, what was your reaction to that? We have some audio here from Chris Jones. We'll play it here in a second. But, Nick, what was your reaction to that to that final one? And I guess also I, I mentioned like three other penalties if you have anything to say about those. Yeah, I, I, that one was uh, really shocking to me, especially with all the rule changes as of late based on what happened to Tua Tungvaloa, who ended up in concussion protocol yet again. Uh, and to see Chris throw Russell on the ground the way that he did, I was like, yeah, here comes a flag for sure. But you know what? No, they didn't. So I was rather uh, upset. I can't really say exactly the words that I used at the time. Uh, but, you know, use your imagination. Yeah, and here, here's we'll, – we'll have Chris Jones' uh, audio right here. Uh, talking about that play and, and kind of, um, you know, trying to basically uh, – he was kind of joking about it, but uh, here, here's what he had to say about, about that final play. Easy. Let's not make it bigger than what it is. <laughs> Easy. Let's not make it bigger than what it is. Um, listen, um, I was trying to politely put Russ down. Unfortunately for those who are viewing it, it kind of looked rough, but, but it wasn't. You see, after the play, he immediately got up. So it wasn't as bad as everybody said. You can't, you know, you just. Well, Christopher, I don't know if you know this, but Russell is one tough son of a uh, gun, and uh, he gets up after every play, as we've seen. Uh, and I don't think that means that it wasn't rough because he picked him up and threw him on the ground. And I'm telling you right now, if that's Tom Brady, it's the man is getting arrested on the field. So I don't understand how that's not a penalty. And he threw the ball. I, at first, when I first saw it, Nick, I didn't realize he'd gotten rid of the ball. So I thought he was just getting sacked. So I was like, oh, okay, that was just a really like rough sack. But then when I saw he threw the ball, I was like, well, how's that not roughing the passer? Isn't that the definition of roughing the passer? No, you're absolutely uh, right. And I, I didn't know that the WWE came to the NFL on Sunday. And the referees, this is where you step in. This is where you utilize the changing of the new rules to protect the quarterback. I mean, he's obviously, if you're going to kill the play, this is what they should have done. They should have just killed the play and said he was in the grasp. But no, there was a second to pause, and then all of a sudden, here come the suplex move. All he needed to do was lie on, on top of him for, for a three count, and that would have kind of uh, really solidified what we saw. But I don't know what the NFL is going to do about this. Chris Jones tried to downplay it and make it, uh, humorous by saying that Russell got up. Maybe if Russell 
did a little more acting like a Travis Kelsey and just kind of laid there. Maybe he gets the call. But to me, this is on the officials. Also, if, if Chris Jones is not fine, I would dare say that this is on the league because if you're trying to push safety in this league and you allow that Bush League type of play from Chris Jones, then I don't know what to do when it comes to protecting quarterbacks in this league, whether it's Russell Wilson or any other quarterback for that matter, George. Well, it, here's the part that also frustrates me, Nick. I, and maybe I just missed it, but if that happens to another quarterback this year, I feel like it's it becomes a national story. It seemed like no one else was really talking about it except for uh, uh, people watching the Broncos game or uh, you know Broncos media, whatever it was. But like roughing the passer has been something that's been heavily debated all season, and it felt like nobody even cared because there's like, oh, it's just Russell Wilson. Uh, and again, I think it adds to the the part that there are people out there that have just piled on on him this year, and and this is just another example of people just I don't know, I guess just not caring. I just it, it, again, I, I still think if it's any other quarterback, not any other quarterback, but a lot of other quarterbacks, they get that call. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, you name it some of those high-profile guys, they're getting that call uh, nine times out of ten. And, and it just – it was it was kind of shocking. that Again, the way that it's been called this year, that's roughing the passer every single time. Uh, I mean, we, we've seen – Randy Gregor got one last week for just oh, ta- tapping yeah. tapping Baker Mayfield's helmet. Like, what are yeah. we doing? Like, this is – what? come on. Uh, and, and, again, the Broncos didn't lose because of officiating um, – you know, I don't know. Maybe Nick, you think they did, but I, I don't think they did. I, I just think that they had a lot of calls not go their way today. Well, I'm not suggesting that the Broncos lost a game uh, because of the officials in its entirety because they made some mistakes too. Still struggling to uh, protect Russell, but when you're playing on the road in Kansas City against that type of team and it's loud as it is, you want things to be a little equal. You want a little balance. So the, the, all the blame doesn't rest on the shoulders of the officials, but I'll say this. They didn't help at all. They, they seemed as though they were playing favoritism for Kansas City. Did they call a couple plays on Kansas City? Yes. But none of these plays were in critical moments of, of the game like the ones that we are describing now that either took away from a scoring drive or increased the scoring drive on the behalf of the Kansas City Chiefs. And I know the players can't say it, uh, Jerry Rosberg said, hey, he called, he said it's just unfortunate. When asked about the officiating, that's all he continued to say. It's unfortunate. But he knows how this works. He knows that it was bad officiating. But he also knows is that if he says something about the officials, he can get fined. But here's the thing. You and I, we can't get fined for that, right? We're, we're not players in the, or coaches in the league. So to me, that was a travesty I saw as far as how many egregious calls were allowed to take place. And hopefully the NFL does something about it. Usually what they do is in those uh, little ownership meetings, they'll, they'll figure out next year that, hey, well, you know what? This was wrong. The ref made a mistake here. But basically it, it really hurt the Broncos today. Yeah, and I, I was actually the one that asked Jerry Rosberg about the officiating. Uh, and he just looked at me and was like, I can't say anything uh, except for that it was highly unfortunate. So uh, he definitely took that. He took the high road there. Uh, I can tell you also, too, Nick being in the locker room, there were quite a few players upset uh, with several calls today, Most, the biggest one obviously being the Cortland Sutton one. So uh, a lot of guys not happy about that. But, Nick, 
Uh, any final thoughts before we get out of here? I feel like we, we, we got to a lot of stuff today, um, you know, w- with the game. Well, I'll tell you what, it's more meat on this bone. We will break that down later in the week. And uh, speaking about meeting meat on the bone, I wish there was some meat on the bone that you would bring me back. But I, I guess I have to uh, look to other people to bring back some barbecue for me because you're not that type of guy. Yeah, no, I mean, you, you can never count on me. Uh, that's the one thing that you should know about George Stoya. Do not count on him for anything, especially to get you some nice food. So, uh, yeah, no, maybe, maybe I'll stop on my way out, Nick. I, I know that there's a couple barbecue places on the way to the airport. So we'll see if I get you some uh, th- this week. But, yeah, like you said, lots of stuff still to talk about this week. I, I know there's only one game left, Nick, uh, but we still have a lot to get to. The coaching search is starting to ramp up. Uh, some rumblings out there about who the Broncos might be talking to. So we'll, we'll do some of that this week as well. Uh, but thanks again to everybody for listening. Make sure you guys like, subscribe to the podcast, and we'll see you guys on Tuesday as we start to look forward to the Broncos and the Chargers. 